today is a is a is a really important day. It's a really special day. You know, when I when I think on what I want to share with you, it, every year it's the it's the same thing I have in my own brain. Is is what do I want to share today? What do I need to share today? And and because this this day represents the answer. If you know what I'm saying. This day represents the answer. I mean, it's like any other day, right? Other than this is the day that we celebrate, and obviously it's in league with Passover, which is, we've been talking about, we had a real cool Good Friday service that, that talked about the, the, that picture. But I want, you to, I want you to see today, we've been in this series just for the last couple of weeks, and we've called it, you see on the front of the bulletin there, it says pictures of, pictures of Christ in the Old Testament, right? Pictures of Christ in the Old Testament. And so we've been looking at these things because to me it is one, some of the most amazing things when you look at the Old Testament stories and that they all point, you gotta remember that they all point to who Christ is and what he came to do. And, uh, and I decided to share with them because I, I, want you to, I want you to understand this. The Old Testament, the last Old Testament book was written 400 years before Christ was born, right? King David lived about a thousand years before Christ was ever born. Moses, right, which is where this, what we're gonna talk about today, he was 2,000 years before. And yet all of these pictures point towards Christ. You'll see it in just a minute. It is a remarkable thing when you begin to see it. And so that's what we've been doing. now. We, this is the third week of it. And I decided to start the first three weeks with the ones that Jesus himself said were pictures of him. Okay, first one was Noah in the boat, right? And, and basically Jesus had, had made the statement as, you know, as it was in the days of Noah, Noah so, so it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So Jesus said that, Jesus said that the picture of Noah in the boat were a picture of who he was. Therefore the ark and all the rest, all right? Now last week we did Passover. Right? Our Jewish friends are celebrating that as we speak. And Passover is one of those clear pictures. We did it last week in here. You know, I had the door frame up here and a cross here, and we showed you some cool things and uh, how the Passover was a picture. Even Jesus himself, you do realize that when you and I celebrate the Lord's Supper or communion together, we are really celebrating Passover. That's what Jesus said. He said, this is, when he said, this is my body, he was referring to the unleavened bread. He's basically saying, guys, this is a picture of me, right? So the Passover is a picture of him. So pictures of Christ in the Old Testament, it is, it is a cool series uh, for those of you who have ears to hear, right? And so, and so we have then this, this these pictures, and so today is no different. We're gonna, we're gonna jump right into it, okay? I don't wanna do any more and give you, I just wanted you to know where we were, where we were and where we're going. And so, the, and they all stand alone with one another. But today is a, is a different one, okay? I wanna start off, today's title is just the word grace, right? And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But I wanna start off with, with, uh, with the most popular verse in the scripture. And it's, it's John chapter three and verse 16. If you know a book of the Bible, if you know a verse in the Bible, this is the one you know, right? It's just the one that everybody knows, you know? When I was growing up as a kid, you know, I remember I used to watch Monday Night Football and the guy with the multicolor hair, you know, would stand up in the end zone, right? He'd wave a sign, John three sixteen, right? And they still do that, but it's not the guy with multicolor hair. So anyway, but it'd be, 
they put that, why? Because it's the one verse that shares a whole lot. Most of you know it, okay? But let's take a look at it. Jesus himself said this. Now the word for is kind of like therefore. In reality, it depends on what has already been said. Or therefore for, or therefore, it's like in, in summation or summing up what I've just told you. Here it is, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but everlasting life. Okay, you know that verse, all right? If you don't, then there it is. But have you ever stopped long enough, most haven't, to understand why Jesus said verse 16? In fact, if you haven't, then today's gonna be a really cool day for you because you're gonna get to see it and go, oh, so that's what he meant when he said that. That's how impacting it really is. So Jesus, Jesus talks about this particular piece and talks about this little story, obscure little story that he refers back to as a picture of who he is and what he was going to do, right? So I want you to know that this happened and was written a good 2,000 years, kind of like the Passover. A good 2,000 years before Christ was even ever born. So we're talking about 4,000 years from now. This is an ancient look. And I find it because only God could write these stories or paint these pictures in, in historical context that would all point to who Christ is. This is what makes it absolutely amazing. So, so let's go ahead and jump back up. Let's find out why he, why he said John 3.16. We're going to start in John chapter 3, verse 1. Okay, and we're just gonna go through this quickly. So hang with me here, because you're gonna see some really incredible stuff at the very end if you'll hang with me through just making sure that everybody understands this piece, all right? And he says there in John chapter three, verse one, he says, now there was a man, okay, of the, of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, and he was a ruler of the Jews. Now, there's already two or three things you need to see. Number one, he was a Pharisee. If you don't know what a Pharisee was, it was a, it was a religious sect, and it was very conservative. Uh, not so much what we would call conservative liberal like politically today, but theologically conservative. Uh, that meant that they were very devout. They were considered by many of their day to be the most godly, if you will. They lived highly religious, devout lives. I mean, they followed all the rules, right? All the rules, the kosher rules as far as what you could eat, what you couldn't eat. They followed all the Sabbath rules about resting and you can only take so many steps on the Sabbath, even giving, right? They were so, you know, they were so committed to, you know, they'd take their household plants and count every 10th leaf, right? I mean, just, just craziness in a lot of times, but, and they would, they would, they had a couple of times a day that they would read part of the scriptures and they had a couple of times a day they would pray. And this was all part of a strict religious, um, you know, duty, if you will, or discipline. There's a lot to admire about them to the way that they could do as disciplined as they did. But if you remember, Jesus looked at them and said, listen, you're just good performers. He called them hypocrites. And the word for hypocrite is the word actor, right? That's all the word hypocrite means, an actor. That is an actor. What is an actor or an actress? Is someone who portrays something they're not. Right? That's all the word hypocrite means. So basically Jesus said they were hypocrites. They were just actors. In other words, they looked good on the outside, but inside they were messed up. 
And that's what he called these Pharisees, but they were extremely and very well respected. They fasted once a week, every week. Imagine all of what they did. Well, that's who Nicodemus was. He was a Pharisee. But not only was he a Pharisee, it says here he was a ruler of the Jews, which means he was on the Sanhedrin. What's a Sanhedrin? Oh, it's basically like our Supreme Court. Now the Romans were in charge, but the Romans usually, among conquered countries, they usually left you alone, okay, if you behaved yourself and paid your taxes. They'd kind of let you rule yourself. And so he was part of this, so he was powerful. He was highly religious, highly respected, powerful, very intelligent. In fact, many, as I've read, have said that Nicodemus would have had the equivalent in our day of a couple of PhD degrees, a couple of doctoral degrees. So we're talking about, we're talking about a guy who had a whole lot, but something gnawed at him. You would think, I mean, he was the guy, you would think that he had all the answers. But he came to Jesus, verse two, at night. And he came to Jesus at night because he didn't want anybody seeing him come to Jesus. But there was something he just, he knew something was missing inside. Nicodemus did. Amongst all his religiousness, because I want you to understand that religiousness can leave you very empty. Okay? Just simple religiousness. And so he came to Jesus at night and said, there's something about you. He looked at Jesus and said, Rabbi, which is another name for teacher. He said, we know that you're a teacher that's come from God for no one can do these things you're doing unless God was with them. So Nicodemus, Nicodemus wanted to know. Yes, he was embarrassed to be, he wouldn't come to Jesus out in public, but he wanted to know. And so he came to Jesus at night and asked him questions and he basically, you know, he's kind of saying, you know, Jesus, we know you're something, you know, you're from God, something's up. And, and he goes on with all these pleasantries. And in verse three, Jesus kind of, Jesus kind of just cuts right to the chase. I mean, he just, he just says, okay, we're going to forego all of the introductions and whatever. Let's just go straight to it. And Jesus answered him and said, truly, truly. Okay. Truly, truly means every time you see it, when Jesus said it, it means, okay, you need to listen. That's what I say a lot. Okay, you need to hear this. Okay, you need to listen. Or I'll do this, right? I do it because, hey, listen, something I'm about to say, you don't need to miss that. That's why, why I do that. Well, Jesus said, truly, truly, that's what they did. And he would, he would share this point to where, okay, don't, you don't need to miss this. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless, unless you're born again, unless one is born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. You know, and it's one of those incredible things here that, that Jesus, now listen, what is, Jesus is comparing, making a comparison. All of these things are parallels. They're incredible, incredible pictures, like physical birth. Physical birth is an absolutely incredible miracle. Um, it, it, to me, it's, it's someone who didn't, didn't exist that now exists, obviously through conception, right? And then you have gestation, and then you have birth. And person begins a life that wasn't, here before. It's, it's, it's remarkable. And so Jesus equates that picture with the spiritual birth and he calls it born again. And he says, unless you're born again, you'll never even, you'll never even see the kingdom, right? You know, it's like the thing I like to say is that sometimes used to, it's not as much as it used to, but, but you know, sometimes our political system tries to label people 
And I remember one time somebody asked me, you know, are you one of those born again Christians? Right? And I said, well, there's not any other kind. I mean, if I'm reading what Jesus said, all right, but you know how political people are. They like to label you as this or that. I don't, I don't have to listen to any of them, but you know what I'm talking about. Jesus himself said, there has to be an event in your life, right? That's called born again or rebirth. Okay, now, Nicodemus doesn't get it. I mean, he, he's blind. This is how it is so incredible, guys. And, I, and if some of you know my story, I did not become a believer until I was 21, and yet I grew up in church. I grew up having to go. It was such a drag for me. I couldn't stand going because it was just the same stuff, and I never got it. And so, but I was there all the time, right? You know, and, and, and we'd sit in these little classes, and they'd tell me all the stories. And, you know, after a while, you got them all. I remember thinking to myself, they ought to bring a new book in here with some different stories. <laughs> Does you understand what I'm saying? I, but that's all I knew. That's all I knew was those, and therefore I had no idea that they had a point. It's just like, you know, I, I, I was never told those things. I never understood those things. But I was blind. I was this, I wouldn't even call me religious because I was never that religious, but I always had to go, so I caught on to it. But I did have, like Nicodemus, I had a lot of knowledge. I could take a Jesus pop quiz and pass it every time because I'd had to be there through all of it. But I never got it. I was like Nicodemus. Listen, Nicodemus, if anybody in the room, nobody in this room, more than likely, was as religious as Nicodemus. And listen to me though, but he was lost. Because it's, it's never been about being religious or how religious you can be. Why? Because Nicodemus, he didn't have a clue even though he had all of the knowledge in his brain. This is what it's meant when it's like seeing you don't perceive and hearing you don't understand. That was me for all those years. Oh, I heard everything, but I didn't, I never got, I never could see it. My prayer for this whole weekend is just been, God, open our eyes and let us see this. Like Nicodemus was asking, you know, I don't know, but I want to know. I want to be able to see it. Because, and again, that's my, my prayer for you, because guys, I can stand up here and I can talk and share, but unless God opens a person's eyes, it's like trying to explain the color blue to someone who was born blind. How do you even begin to explain the color blue? Unless their eyes are open and they can say, oh, that's blue. So that becomes this great picture. You can, you can hear, but not, and not understand. That's the way it was until I was 21. Well, anyway, so he doesn't get it. Nicodemus doesn't get it. He's, he begins to ask this question. He doesn't get the parallel in the picture that Jesus is talking about as far as rebirth. He, all he can do is says, can a man be born when he's old? Obviously, he doesn't get it. And then his mind go to, goes to some weird places. It says, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I guess a little creepy, to be honest, right? <laughs> so you see where his mind's going. He cannot get past 
the old, his, old, his own concrete thinking. And so he says, I, you know, Jesus, I don't get it. And Jesus look at, looks at him and says, truly, truly, there it is again, all right? Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, physical birth, and born of the spirit, right? So he's saying it's a parallel. This is not an actual physical rebirth, Nicodemus, come on, right? He says he cannot even enter the kingdom of heaven. So guys, Jesus himself is saying, this has to happen or you're not, you're not his, right? That which is born of flesh is flesh. Well, that makes sense. But that which is born of spirit is spirit. So he says, while they run parallel in the explanation of them, they're separate. That's what Jesus is trying to say. And he goes on to tell Nicodemus, hey, listen, don't be amazed. Marvel is the word there. Don't marvel that I've said you must be born again. Don't let that trip you up. Don't let that mess you up, he's telling Nicodemus, right? And then he explains it. Verse eight is, is there's a mystery to the rebirth, just like there's a mystery to physical birth. It is remarkable. I was at all four of my children's birth. Uh, it, it's a life-changing experience when this little person comes into your life and that they've been born into your family, right? And they're yours and the responsibility and all this stuff, but it's, it's, it's a miraculous. They didn't exist, now they exist. And so Jesus said, there's a great mystery to that, just like there's a great mystery to the rebirth. He says, the wind blows, right, where it wishes, right? You can hear it, but you don't know where it came from, you don't know where it's going, but you know it's there. You hear what Jesus is saying? He's trying to explain it to him, right? So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Now, in verse nine is an incredible, one of the most incredible verses in all the Bible. It says this, Nicodemus said, what? How can, how can these things be? Guys, it's one of those times in your life where he'd been counting on being religious, right, all his life. He thought he, was, he thought he was being the best follower of God that anybody could be. And all of a sudden, this whole thing came crushing down on him that everything he'd invested in up to this point is a wash. That's hard to admit. Does that make sense? Therefore, all the fasting and all the little duties he did, you know, and reading this and doing this and standing up and kneeling now and putting a little thing on top of your head and all the stuff he did. So it all came crushing down on him when he said, what? Jesus, are you telling me that I've been missing it the whole time? That's a hard thing. Guys, I'm here to tell you. The hardest people to share with are religious people. I'm just being honest. And I don't wanna, I'm gonna get myself in trouble here. Sometimes the meanest people are religious people, right? Because they constantly stand in judgment because you aren't following their lists like you should be, right? But sometimes they can be blind like Nicodemus was. How can a guy have a double PhD in religiosity and be so unaware of the truth that he's known for years but could never grasp. 
It's, it, that is, just so you know, that is, this is the whole context for John 3.16. If you'll keep hanging with me, you're gonna see it just a minute and you're gonna go, oh, that makes perfect sense why Jesus would say that. And so how can this be? And then Jesus looks back at him and is like, are you kidding me? Now this is my translation. Are you kidding me? You're a teacher and you don't even know the foundational things? But you know, I get it. I was in church all my life and never got it. And yet you could ask me most any question and I could answer it, right? I was like a parrot. I had the information and I could spit it back out, but, but I didn't know it, I didn't perceive it. It's, a, it's an incredible thing. That's the best way I can put it. He says, are you teaching Israel, right? Are you teaching Israel and you don't even understand these things? So in other words, you're telling me Nicodemus, people come to you to get answers but you don't even have them. So you just keep spouting knowledge, information at people, and they don't have any more idea about it than you do. That's kind of what Jesus is saying. It's gotta be a pretty tough day on Nicodemus, right? All right, he goes on, Jesus goes on to say, here it is, truly, truly again, okay? All right, listen up, here we go. I say to you, we speak what we know and bear witness to what we've seen but you don't receive our testimony. So if I've told you about earthly things and you won't believe, then what good is it to tell you about the parallel, right? Born of water, that is born physically, born spiritually. So in other words, if you're not gonna believe like the miracles and the physical miracles that Jesus did, then why am I gonna talk to you about spiritual rebirth if you can't even get this? You hear what Jesus is saying to him? You're just not getting it. And he goes on to say, no one has ascended into heaven. That is, no one has ever been good enough to be right with God, that is, gone to him. But God, what God had to do was to send to us, said, except the one who descended from heaven, that is, the Son of Man. Therefore, Christmas time, Emmanuel, God with us, God became flesh, dwelt among us, becomes the picture. Now, and then he decides to give Nicodemus a shot. You know, when any time anybody in the Bible came to Jesus with an honest question, Jesus always gave him an honest response. But if you came to him with a dishonest question, then he usually answered your question with a question. You can read the gospels, that's exactly what happened. So Jesus gives him a light of truth to let him see. And Jesus pulls an example of what he's been talking about, going from death to life, or if you will, being reborn, birth, he gives him a physical example from the Old Testament, which when he quoted this, Jesus didn't even go into the story because Nicodemus knew it so well. But in verse 14, begins to open up everything. And here's what verse 14 says. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. Okay, a snake. You know, and if you don't get that, then it's like, you know, I always like to say, well, what the snake does that mean, right? But here we go. Lifted up a snake. You'll see it in just a minute. And there's a parallel to it. So must the Son of Man be lifted up. So there's something that Jesus wants Nicodemus to hear about being lifted up, right? that whoever believes in him, that is Jesus, may have eternal life. 
And then he goes on, because or for God so loved the world. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But the key to this entire thing and understanding this entire thing is understanding what is Moses lifting up a snake have anything to do with anything? And that's where you go to the story that Jesus is referring to. It's found in Numbers chapter 21, okay? Now, it's incredible. You can turn to it if you'd like. And uh, it's so weird these days, you know? Uh, Nobody carries a Bible anymore. It's all there with you, right? Um, But if you have a physical Bible, right? Right? If you're opening to Numbers, probably dust is flying up from that section of the Bible, right? It's not one of those that you read a whole lot. But tucked away in the middle of this numbers is this little story that Jesus references as a picture of him, which are serious pictures of Christ in the Old Testament. And it's only four or five verses. Now, number one is Israel's sin. Now, guys, as I've told you the last two weeks, and I'm gonna tell you the next few weeks, it seems to follow the same pattern. Some sort of sin, disobedience, whatever, disease, and then, and then you have uh, down under it's consequences, right? And then under that is usually some sort of a repentance or faith or whatever. But then under that, God provides a way. He gives grace that's dependent on people trusting him and then changed life. So in some way, in some way, it follows that pattern. Well, let's take a look at this is the nation of Israel. Now, what was happening here was this, this is what's great about it, is that after Passover, they were set free. And they went through the Red Sea part and you know they messed up at Sinai. And so they wandered a lot in the wilderness. This was during their wanderings, okay? And when we say wilderness, if you've ever been to this area of the world, I have, it, it, we think of wilderness like, you know, forest. It was more like a desert. All right, with a few oases. Is that the way to say it? Oases? Plural for oasis? I don't know. But you just want them that they would go to and you know everything. So so here that's the picture. This is a story from there. Here we go. So all right, so here's their sin. Numbers chapter 21 and verse 4. And here it is. Uh, from Mount Hor they set on their way to the Red Sea uh, to go around the land of Edom, and the people became impatient on the way. Okay? And the people spoke against God and against Moses saying, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no food and there's no water and we loathe, it's a good word, loathe, hate this worthless food. Now the worthless food they're referring to is manna that God provided for them to eat. Now, this is incredible stuff here. This, this relates directly to you, and I'm just going to give you just a little piece if you're a believer here today. The picture here is that you put your faith and trust in God, and they saw God do all those incredible things, all the plagues, right? They were all part of Passover. They all were part of the Red Sea. So they'd seen God do all those things. And now they're, they're griping because they don't like the way they're being led and they don't like the way they're being fed. You know, it's an incredible thing how that, and please don't be one of these, but it's amazing thing is the amount of griping and complaining that some can do. But if you're a believer here today, I want you to hear me. And it may be kind of a hard statement to hear, but you need to hear it. Is that if you are his, then you are following him 
And if you are griping and complaining, I want you to know that God takes it personal. Does that make sense? It may make you rethink your constant griping and complaining. All right, that's another message for another time. Let's move on. So whatever, whatever they did was is that, I mean, and they even got to in another passage, they started, they started having wistful thoughts, you know, of, oh, do you remember when we lived in Egypt, how wonderful it was? We had onions and leeks, melons, and all we have out here is this worthless food. You know, I don't know why it is, but sometimes we look back at the past as the good old days, but do you remember what they were in the past? They were slaves with cruel taskmasters. And yet it's real easy to look back and think about the good old days, when in reality you're living right in the, in the middle of this time, right where God wants you to be, with his constant presence with you. Anyway. That was their sin. Number two, Israel's consequences. Well, God sent snakes into the camp, right? Fiery serpents, verse six, right? And that they bit the people and that they died, right? Consequences, judgment, whatever you want to call it. Again, you have sin, you have the wages of sin, right? Which is Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. And guys, the parallel, I want to go ahead and tell it to you now. The parallel here is for you. The wages of sin, you know, when you think about sin that brings death, therefore the people who'd been bitten had, had a death sentence on their life. But guys, I want you to hear this. But all of us in the room, you know, I always like to say all of us are terminal, right? Eventually. So it's all coming. Everybody in the room needs an answer. I never forget a few years ago, somebody came up and said, Pastor, why is it that Every Easter, you have to talk about death. And I'm like, really? Like, that's a real question. Well, that's what today's about, having an answer to death. If you've got an answer to death, you don't have problems. I love saying that. If you don't, if you've got an answer to death, you have no problems. You just have minor annoyances along the way. If you've got that answer, that is the celebration for today. And if you don't ever talk about it, because our culture is one that likes to act like death doesn't exist, except at funerals when you have to talk about it. But then as soon as you walk out of a funeral, I don't want to, uh, you know. But I want you to understand, until you've got that, that is what this day is about. That is what this story is about. So anyway, they had this venom running through them. It was a death sentence. And so Israel's confession and repentance, verse seven, what did they say? Well, you know, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. Yeah, what was your first clue, right? We've sinned, right? We've spoken out against Lord Moses. So they knew what they did. And consequences usually get people to the point to where they start to realize what they did, right? And, uh, and, he, and they asked Moses, hey, pray, you know, pray for us, you know, Lord, that he'll take away these snakes, right? And Moses prayed for the people. Number four, God provided a way. Now, this is the key. This was God's word to them. Now, here we go. We're about to get down to it. Verse 20, 20, 21, verse 8. And the Lord said to Moses, okay, here's the, here's the way. Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. You know, why didn't God just say, okay, and then go, and they were all, they were all healed or whatever? Because he's, 
painting a picture. He's writing a story within the story for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see that you can get it. And here's what he said I want you to do. I want you to make a serpent, a fiery serpent, right? Set it on a pole and everyone who's bitten, when he sees it, he'll live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, right? And basically, right? Anyone who was bitten by the snake, if they looked, they lived. Oh, so now you see, maybe a little bit, I'll tell you. Why did Jesus use this as an illustration about himself? Well, think about their camp. You know, we talked about it last week. When they came out of slavery, it says there were 600,000 men on foot. So you had at least 2 million, at least, maybe a little bit more, maybe 2.2, 2.3 million. So this camp stretched for miles. And in the middle was where Moses and all of the, you know, the worships and celebrations and stuff happened. And so Moses takes this long pole. Why? Because if you had a short one, how are people going to crowd in and see this thing? It needs to be lifted up as high as you can lift it up so people can see it from a distance. So you have this picture then of, sh of this snake on a pole. And the only instructions that God had for them is all you have to do is look. Right? All you have to do is look. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to live a certain way. No, I have to just, just go look. And so Jesus said that there's a parallel of Moses lifting up the serpent and then him being lifted up, right? And the parallel is what I want you to see because it's the reason John 3.16 was said, right? We're just about to get there, but don't miss this. So the, God's word at the time for God providing a way needed to be shared with the people. What was the word that needed to be shared? Okay, here's what God says. Moses is going to make a snake, he's gonna put it on a pole and all you have to do is go look at it. But when you think about 2.2 million people, that's as big as Pinellas County and Hillsborough County. So this camp was huge, all right? And that, that's a lot of snakes. Oh, that just creeps me out. But there's a lot of snakes and there's a lot of issues going on. And so, so basically Moses, this is me kind of adding to it. Moses tells people, you know, his messengers, hey, here's what God's word says. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go around and just share with everybody this news. It's good news, by the way. It's an answer to death. And you just need to share with people. Here's what God says. Hey, there's Moses made this snake and God says, right? And there's a lot of symbolism there about the snake being a picture of, you know, sin and judgment, which is what Christ became, but we don't have time to share with you all that. There's so much more to this than what I'm sharing. I'm just giving you this, the simple understanding of it. And so basically all you have to do is just go look. That is all you have to do, just go look. Therefore, it requires faith, but nothing else. All you have to do is if you're in your tent and you're bit, all you have to do is just get up out of the cot and, and travel far enough into where you can see this thing. That's all you have to do. So you have this picture. But most people would say to me, well, Jeff, that's silly. I mean, who, who, who would not do that? Well, guys, the parallels are the exact same. It's the same people that won't look today. Let me tell you what I mean, right? 
Let's just say that I'm a guy that Moses has, you know, I've already looked, right? So I'm a guy that Moses has told, okay, you need to go tell all the, all the, all the camp, all right? I'm one of the many. And so I'm going by tent by tent, you know? And I, I knock on a tent door, okay? I know, I know there's not, not wood, but bear with me, all right? So I'm, 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 knocking, uh, I'm knocking on the door, right? And, uh, and, and I walk in and here's this guy laying here, right? And he's been, he's been, he's been bit. And so he's laying there and I tell him the, the story. This is God's, what God says. What Moses told me, God told Moses, Moses told me to tell you. And, and I'm here to tell you, hey, listen, all you have to do is go look. And the guy sits up on his bed and he says, well, you know, that doesn't make any sense. How can looking at a metal snake on a pole make a difference in anybody's life? Because you know, I graduated magna cum laude in science at the university, and I can hear to tell you scientifically that that cannot happen. So no, I'm not going to go look. So the guy laid back on his cot, and what happened to him? He died. He died. All right, so the guy keeps traveling around, right? He walks into the next, tells, hey, listen, I got good news for you, this is what you need to do. And there's this guy laying on the cot, and the guy, basically, he says, listen, man, I know that is good news, and I'm sure it can help a lot of people, but I've just been bitten so many times. I've been bitten dozens and dozens of times. While it may help others, I just don't see how it can help me. You know, a lot of people have that view of themselves, right? Number, the first group is the ones that are so arrogant that they think that nothing could happen unless they could understand it, right? They're the ones who would sit in the dark until they understood electricity, right? But the second group are the ones that see themselves as too far gone. They've got so much sin in their life. They've made so many mistakes. They just don't see that it's for them. But guys, that's just not the truth. There's no stipulation, there's no anything. All you have to do is look. I don't care how many times you've been bitten. I don't care how much venom is in your veins, right? It's the picture. And that's a word of hope for every one of you, for all of us. You know, every once in a while, because I love inviting people to come to the service, and I'll be somewhere and I'll, every once in a while, I'll bump into a guy and I'll say, hey, listen, why don't you just come to the service? And he laughs, you know, and says, oh, you don't want me at your church. You know, if I came in, you know, the lightning would strike and the roof would cave in on everybody, you know? And they're joking. They're joking, but what they're really telling me, you know, pastor, I'd love to, but I'm too far gone. They're just masking it in humor. Does that make sense? I don't care who you are today. I don't care what you've done. God's good news for you is, is you just have to look. Right, all right. But if he doesn't get off of his cot, Right? He's not gonna make it, All right? So run to the next tent, right? Walk in, walk into this guy, he's on the, he's on, God, he doesn't look near as bad as the previous guy. In fact, well, I tell him the whole good news, all you have to do is go look. All you have to do is just, I mean, just go to the camp, just middle of the camp and look. And this guy says, oh, listen, listen. I'm not near as bad as most of these people. I've only been bitten once and just barely, right? So I don't see that my need is near as big as all the others out there. And we know who this person is, a person like Nicodemus that lived a moral life, that tries to do everything right. But listen, it doesn't matter. 
right? Venom, one bite or hundred, right? Death still comes for all of us and we all need an answer, no matter good or bad we think, we may think it is. So this guy says, well, you know, two, two tenths down, he really needs you. So he lays back down, so the guy leaves and, and the guy, he dies. Right? I, I've only got a couple more. So next guy, right? Next guy walks in and, and the guy said, he tells him the whole story. And this guy says, well, you know what I am? I'm a, I'm a metal, I'm a, I'm a metal fabricer. I, that's what I do. So, you know, Moses, I'm sure he didn't do a very good job. So what I'm gonna do is, I'm gonna make a better snake out of metal myself. It'll be a lot better than one Moses could make. And I'm gonna set it up in my tent and I'm gonna look at it, right? Therefore, we think that we can come up with whatever we wanna come up with, right? But you know what happened to that guy? He died, he died. Because guys, don't let the culture lie to you. It's not the truth because you believe it. A lot of people think, well, well, I believe. Well, that doesn't matter, does it? Personal opinion, if something is the truth, personal opinion does not change if it's the truth or not. And it doesn't make it the truth because you believe it. The only impact happens is that when you put your faith or belief in the truth, but it has to be the truth first. You can't come up with your own. I got bunches of these, but I one more. Yeah. Walks in, okay, and here's this guy, he's laying there, tells him the whole story and says, hey, listen, man. Hey, won't you, and he says, man, I just don't know. I just don't know. And so this, me, I said, listen, he even has testimony of a, of a live person. I says, hey, I looked and it, it changed me. I don't know, I don't think so. Oh, come on, come on, I'll go with you. I'll help you. I tell you, one of some of the greatest love you can ever share with somebody is sharing with them the message and even encouraging them. So he gets his arm up, right? And this guy begrudgingly goes and he looks and he goes from death to life. Listen, you don't even have to have great faith. All you have to do is have enough faith to get you off the cot. You know, that's why Jesus said, all you got to have is a mustard seed. Just, just enough to get you off the cot and go look. That's all you have to do. Why? Because it's, Ephesians 2 says it's by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works. There's nothing you can do to earn it or deserve it, right? And the pictures show it. Now let's go back to John 3, 14. So as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him, that is Jesus, may have eternal life, right? Go from death to life. But not physically like it was with this case, but spiritually because the parallel of the rebirth experience that Jesus has just talked about. Oh, I pray that you've got the ears to hear and eyes to see this. It is really remarkable when you understand what Jesus is talking about. 
that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world. So love was his motivation. He loved you to provide you a way, but the choice is yours. You will not be forced. You will never be coerced. It's a choice you make to, to trust what he says to you or not, right? That he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, that is whoever looks, right? Will not perish, but have not just life, because in Moses' day, they went from death to life, right? They were healed. But in the spiritual look, it's eternal life. Now, as I close, that's an amazing thing to think about, if it is the truth. That's what this day is. That's what this day represents. Guys, that's why when you truly understand it, that's what that's what this is all about. That's why some people get so excited, but I'm, I'm convinced most don't even know what they're celebrating, right? It's lost in failing to see, perceive, or understand. But eternal life is, is an answer to death. You know, guys, we don't have the capability of getting our, our minds around infinite or eternal. We don't even know what that means. But there is one thing. One day you will know what it means. And one day, if you're his, that it'll all come crashing down on you just what this gift was. Because if Jesus was who he says he was and he did come to do what he came to do, then this indescribable gift of eternal life, death being conquered, I mean, is is too great to imagine, right? It's too great to imagine. You know, as we close the service, I'm gonna have, yeah, guys, come on out. You know, this time of the year uh, when we talk about this, you know, every once in a while, somebody comes up with a song. You know, I went to see a movie a couple weeks ago. And some of you know my, my dad passed away about three weeks ago. And so it's been an interesting thing. But I went to see that movie, I can only imagine. Some of you have even seen it. And, and I understood that it was the passing of his father. And he put down into a song, because we can't get our arms around it. But I want them to sing it for you, and this is how we're gonna close. Well, I'll come up and close this in a minute in prayer. I just want you to think on, this guy got a picture. You don't ever totally know what it is. But if you've got it, like I like to say, if you've got an answer, when I sat at my dad's hospital bed just hours before he died, if you don't have an answer for a day like that, you're not ready to live. All right, you're not ready to live. So, but this Bart Millard, 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 he wrote this little song. I think he got it. He didn't say what it was going to be like, but he just said, I can only imagine. All right, T listen to the words of this song. Uh, and this is how we'll close, right? I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side 
can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me I can only imagine yeah surrounded by your glory what will my heart feel will I dance for you Jesus or in all of you be still Will I stand in your presence Or to my knees will I fall Will I sing hallelujah Will I be able to speak it all I can only imagine I can only imagine When that day comes And I find myself Standing in the sun I can only imagine When all I will do Is forever Forever worship you I can only imagine What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak it all I can only imagine? Yeah. I can only imagine I can only imagine I can only I just wanted this day for you to, to catch something. This is just not another day where you, where you, you know, wear a new shirt. I want you to understand the reality of this, not a religious institution. This message is not a Catholic message or a Baptist message or a Methodist message. This is Jesus's from John 3 presenting to you what his message to you is. We're not here to ask you to join anything, give to anything. I just wanted you to hear his message. And that all you have to do is look, right? Not a whole lot of hoops you have to jump through. In fact, none. Why? Because you couldn't do it anyway. And that is his message to you. And when you have that answer, right, this will be the greatest day of the year when you reflect on, I can only imagine one, it will be like remarkable.